Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you were rooting for Washington to pass another coronavirus relief package, watching the negotiations play out over the last few months, it felt a little like being on the sidelines of an especially contentious game of shoots and ladders. The Democrats in the House started things off back in May, pushing that hefty $3.4 trillion bill. And then Senate Republicans kicked them back to square one. The Senate Republicans just didn't even respond at first. They just kind of looked at it like, you know, kind of like a turd on the floor. They were like, we're not even addressing that. Slate Jordan Weissman has been our stimulus correspondent from Go. And then finally, Mitch McConnell came back with his $1 trillion offer. The Democrats said absolutely not. There was that skinny version of the bill, just $500 billion. The skinny bill. And then the White House went back to negotiating with House Democrats because obviously nothing was happening in Congress. Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi were not going to have productive conversations. And God only knows what is happening inside 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. This weekend, after first pulling out of stimulus negotiations, the president seemed to want back in. Is the stimulus deal dead? Well, no, I don't think it's dead at all. I spoke to Secretary A White House advisor even suggested all but handing Nancy Pelosi a blank check. Package. Speaker Pelosi is currently offering a $2.2 trillion deal. The president wants a bigger package than that. Uh, so are you Secretary Mnuchin now going to try to offer a bigger deal than a $2.2 trillion proposal? He, he may. He may. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin is up to $1.8 trillion. President Trump actually has always said, I mean, I've heard him say it in the Oval, um, as far as the key elements are concerned, the checks, the unemployment assistance, the small business assistance, we've got to help airlines out, he would go further. He's always said that. Uh, he knows it feels like the Republicans are crying uncle. Well, it sounds like the White House is crying uncle, right? Like we have, we have the, the, the dynamics of, of these negotiations are a little bit bizarre, right? Bizarre, because different members of the same political teams don't seem to be agreeing on what they want here. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin seems to say one thing to Nancy Pelosi, and then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says something totally different to the reporters who stalk him through the halls of the Capitol. It's just not clear that we are going to ever get to yes for all three of the relevant parties, which is, you know, the House Democrats, the Senate Republicans, and the White House. If you were on the calls between Mnuchin and Pelosi these days, yeah. what would you tell them? Nancy Pelosi should take the White House's deal. I think the big picture is that we have to keep in mind is that if we do not have a deal, again, a lot of people are going to suffer this winter. It's it's going to be bad. I you know I just I I'm willing to say I think it's going to be pretty bad, and I just we're we're past the point where we should be allowing the perfect to be the enemy of the good. Today on the show, 
with the House and the Senate stuck in trench warfare over coronavirus relief, Jordan makes the case for compromise, economically, but also politically. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. I mean, the the last time you were on talking about the stimulus, it was this kind of funny show because you were basically saying there's no chance that a coronavirus stimulus passes. They're just too stuck, even though it's very necessary. But weirdly, the markets were kind of convinced that some kind of miracle would be pulled off here and it was keeping them afloat. Yeah. What what changed since we last talked? Well, so when, when Mnuchin made the $1.6 trillion offer, it was interesting because it was right at the moment when the when the stock market was actually wobbling a bit. I'm like it was it was getting close to re-election time and when you know so it was kind of we we're getting close to deadline and stocks were starting to get a little weaker and so I I have a private theory that maybe that was actually part of it that the White House was kind of looked at what was happening to the S and P and thought oh we should just make one more push for this um, and then you know since then I I think that what ha- what changed was just the complete chaos with Trump getting COVID and his going completely feral afterwards and just his weird emotional mood swings sense have sort of dictated everything in the government. But, you know, you know, after he got sick, he came back and pulled the plug on negotiations. Then people told him that it looked bad and he overcompensated by going the other direction, saying, throw as much money as you want at them. Um, and so it, it feels like what changed? Well, you know, the White House got a little bit nervous because the markets weren't looking so good and we we're heading and their poll numbers for the election weren't so great. Um, and Donald Trump has had a perpetual freakout ever since. Trump abruptly ended stimulus talks in a tweet last week, which pushed the markets over the edge. Then the president backtracked. But the chaos of these negotiations, it means the fate of any new stimulus is far from guaranteed. You know, and part of the reason that the the stock market started to wobble was that investors began to realize that maybe a bill wasn't coming, right? That was also that was part. All of a sudden, there you know the hope you know the the joke is that um, for a while was that you know we could be living in Thunderdome and people and 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 the Wall Street analysts would still be saying that the S and P was going up on hopes for stimulus talks. But for for a for a brief moment there, it seemed like the optimism had sort of faded, and that was uh, on among everybody. And that was kind of what restarted the deal. Now it just seems like I don't know. I I don't you know I it so, for some reason the sense of urgency has just dissipated again. Um, and it's hard to say why. Can we talk about the shape of the recovery? Because Republicans like to talk about creating a firm bounce back, you know, the V-shaped recovery just from down to up again. If you've been reading the business section, you might have heard about the K-shaped recovery, where it seems like white-collar workers are doing okay, but people who are not white-collar workers aren't. Yeah. So is it worth talking about who's really feeling the impact right now? Yeah, I mean... K-shaped is, there are so many different shapes. There's the swoosh, there's the K, there's the W. <laughs> How many, I've been talking about the drunken square root shaped economy has been my favorite description. Um, but 
what if you look at some of the employment data that we get from sort of the private sector right now, and that um, the researchers at Harvard's uh, Opportunity Insights Project have been tracking, it suggests that workers who make more than sixty thousand dollars a year, just say you know white collar, a lot of them are white collar workers, people who can telecommute, are almost back to full employment. Like it's they're almost back to normal. Um, and people who make between like thirty and sixty are, you know, they're they're still hurting, but employment's fallen by like five percent, right? It's not totally catastrophic, and it's really low wage service workers, people in that under thirty thousand dollar a year range, who are still seeing double digit declines in employment, right? I mean, they're the people who are, and it makes sense, right? What's still close? Restaurants, bars gyms. I mean, like it's, you know, these service industries that are high touch and people, you know, you know, people aren't going to right now are, are officially shut down. And so are there any good studies looking at how having these folks out of work, how long it could last and whether not doing a deal now could impact folks, not just for the next few months, but for longer than that? How long could it last? How long does social distancing stay in place? Right? You know, I mean, you don't need a study for it. It's just as 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 long as restaurants are shut down, you know, or or only serving half their tables, you're going to have fewer workers. As long as concerts are banned, you know, the bartender's not going to have a job at the venue. And this is part of why a lot of people expected the recovery to slow down and never took the idea of a V-shaped recovery very seriously because. There was a sense that, yeah, there was a lot of low-hanging fruit where you could you would see people go back to work because they could telecommute, or you would see the first wave of service employees go back when restaurants were able to kind of partially reopen. Um, but eventually, you would kind of hit a wall where certain jobs are just really, really hard to bring back as long as we have a pandemic going. So a lot of those people are still stuck on temporary furlough, and we don't know how long that will last. At the same time, you have this other worrying trend where more more of these quote temporary layoffs right have become permanent they're just that that you look at that number and it's rising over time we have these very obvious problems ahead of us we're already starting to see rehiring slow like in the last jobs report and if you don't give people aid if you know you don't provide larger unemployment benefits or you don't send them a check eventually people are going to have a hard time just paying their bills you know we we even in a weird way been lucky because as bad as unemployment has been during this pandemic, Congress did just give us that huge shotgun blast of money at the beginning of it, the CARES Act, that kept people afloat. And so, you know, we just have not we have not seen the level of hardship yet that you would associate with these levels of unemployment. But we could soon. And if Congress doesn't do something, you know, we're running out of time for them to act. That's the danger we're facing. Could we talk about the political motivations for all three of the negotiating parties here? Why they would want a bill, why they would not. I mean, I get it for the president, right? The president wants a big stimulus because it's nice to have checks going out right before an election. <laughs> that looks great for him. The Republicans in the Senate, why would they not want that? So there there are several reasons, I think. The there are some Republicans in the Senate who just do not like to spend, right? Ideologically, they they are opposed to government intervention, to government spending, and 
some of them think that their voters are as well, or they are, might be correct that their voters are. Um, you know, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee uh, said during a recent meeting that it, a, a, passing a $1.8 trillion stimulus bill would, quote, be the end of our majority. I, I think that's kind of a crazy take. But what she was essentially communicating was that a lot of conservative voters would probably stay home. The Republican base. Yeah, exactly. And I don't I don't think that is accurate. Um, I don't think in a general election, any candidate is going to be really harmed by voting for a massive relief bill. Um, it could hurt them in the future, though, in a Republican primary. And I think that is probably weighing heavily in the back of the minds of some of these Senate Republicans that it a couple a couple years from now, four years from now, they could be in a primary where someone accuses them of, you know, profligate spending and giving into the Democrats and whatnot um, and bailing out blue states, whatever. So I think that is that is part of the motivation for Republicans. They fear that you you could sort of have a Tea Party revival at some point and that if they if they pass a giant stimulus bill or relief bill at this point, they could become victims of it. OK, so I so I get why the president wants it. I get why some Republicans in the Senate wouldn't want it. Let's talk about the Democrats in the House. Why wouldn't Democrats want a deal now? And why do you think they should get over it? You do hear some whispers on the Hill. And, and I, sh I should say here, this is pure speculation because no one really knows for sure. But you do hear some people speculate that maybe Nancy Pelosi doesn't really want a deal, right? that hmm. she just wants to defeat Donald Trump at this point and that she knows that if he can't pass another relief package, she's done so. Um, and so some people will say, oh, maybe Nancy's just sort of stalling, right? She's grandstanding. She's not really, you know, she's she's making impossible demands knowing that she, it'll sabotage negotiations in the end and and Trump's going to go down in flames. Again, I don't know. that that's I don't know if that's true. I really don't. Uh, but it's, I, but it's, it sounds like your concern is that there's a political cost to that kind of gamesmanship. If that were true, it would be extremely disappointing, right? Like <laughs> to me, like there's, there's why just because you know, I don't th personally, I don't think that passing a stimulus bill at this point is going to be what saves Donald Trump, right? Like, I mean, it's just we're past that point. I don't know if like getting a. You know, even if even if you were to pass legislation today, most of the checks wouldn't even be out by the time by November 3rd. Or I mean, maybe a few of them would make it out, but it seems unlikely. However much Donald Trump benefits from passing a large relief package right now, I think that pales in comparison to the potential suffering that people are going to face if we don't pass one. And so just there's I think there's just ethically you should be trying to reach some sort of an agreement for the good of the, you know, as mawkish as this sounds for the good of the country. Um, but what about the argument that we can always pass it in the lame duck session or I mean, when we're all back to work in January? Right. I mean, like if nothing's going to happen in the lame duck session, like if if Mitch McConnell doesn't really want to pass stimulus right now, uh, there's just there there's just absolutely no way he's going to pass a a, a relief bill if Joe Biden is president. Like, why would he help Joe Biden? Right. <laughs> like, you know what? If Joe Biden wins on November 3rd and and Mitch McConnell is sitting there deciding, hmm, do I do I pass a bill that will make sure the American economy is in better shape when Joe Biden becomes president and has to do less legislating himself? Or do I just kind of let things deteriorate from here? Which which path do you think Mitch McConnell is going to take? I mean, it just it's I, I have very low expectations of anything happening in the lame duck if Joe Biden wins. 
if Donald Trump wins, you know, maybe, maybe something happens. You know, it's possible at that point, Democrats just cry, say, okay, whatever, he's our president. We, 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 it's time to pass some sort of legislation. But as of now, that doesn't look like a particularly likely outcome. Trump is you know, pretty far down in the polls. Jordan and I will be back after a break. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I hear what you're saying about the stimulus being the right thing to do, especially if there's enough aid for state and local governments in there, because I think that that's just a major sucking wound to the economy. But I guess I'm reminded of that old phrase, your lack of planning is not my emergency. (laughs) And I could see Nancy Pelosi embracing that. Like, your chaos, Republican Party, is not my mess to clean up. So I wouldn't blame Nancy Pelosi for thinking that way. But it doesn't, but it also, it just doesn't totally make sense to me, right? Because in the end, you know, Pelosi could get a pretty damn good bill at this point, a $1.8 trillion bill, very close to what, you know, the $2.2 trillion that she's asking for. And she could get and maybe more maybe, because maybe Kudlow, more. She could, Kudlow was saying yeah. this weekend, like, <laughs> you know, the president will, he wants to do more than Nancy yeah, Pelosi I mean, for some of these I mean, things. like, who knows? She could, she could probably get what she wants from Donald Trump at this point if she said yes, it seems like. And then at that, and then from there, it goes to Republicans in the Senate. And I don't understand why you wouldn't just at least throw it to them and say, hey, are you guys going to, are you guys going to deny aid to millions and millions of unemployed Americans? And if they, if they sign the deal, great. You know, Nancy got pretty close to what she wanted in the end. And if they don't sign the deal, then she can just continue flogging Mitch McConnell for it. You know, I just make him own it, right? Like at the very least, why wouldn't you just make the the Republican Party own all of the pain and suffering that's coming? It you know, in in December, if Christmas is going to be ruined for tens of millions of Americans, why not make sure it you can pin it firmly on Mitch McConnell? Like, why not make him Scrooge? On Tuesday afternoon, Mitch McConnell announced he was going to try to push through a five hundred billion dollar package again that skinny one. At the same time, the president was tweeting, stimulus, go big or go home. This disconnect, it's why Jordan thinks this is the perfect time for Democrats to forge ahead. It could be good for them to get a deal with the White House and on the condition that Donald Trump starts, you know, 
putting the screws to Mitch McConnell. You know, put <laughs> why not why not why not put Republicans in even more disarray heading into November? I don't understand why you wouldn't try to do that, especially when like you know. Worse comes to worse, the Republican Party passes the deal and states and families and businesses get money. Like that's if that's your the good political outcome, as far as Nancy Pelosi is concerned, is that the Republicans just end up at war with themselves. And the bad political outcome is that people are helped like terrible. (laughs) Like, I mean, like that's I mean, it just it doesn't really seem like there's a bad option here in in taking more or less what the White House has on offer. And again, you can negotiate specific things like, you know, the White House wants things like liability protections that will prevent uh, workers from suing their employers if they got infected from with COVID on the job. And that's extremely controversial. I don't love it. It might be, you know, a version of that might be the price you have to pay in order to get more help to people who need it right now. But and you can, you know, you can negotiate on what those liability protections look like, but just the basic shape of you know what's on offer it looks pretty good it look like again it just it, it covers most of your bases and it just seems like this is something that in theory the house you know house democrats should want to do but for some reason they're still you know they're still kind of at no yeah i guess the thing that i worry about think about is that is that you, the presidential aides have been very very clear the president wants to spend money on the things he wants to spend money on so do we have evidence that the president is willing to compromise on things he may not want to spend money on, like sending some aid to New York and California. But yeah, I mean, the White the White House has compromised on a, a few major issues. I mean, for instance, it's offering three hundred billion dollars now for states and local governments. Right? I mean, again, it's it's not what it's not exactly what Democrats want. They wanted you know closer to uh, like four hundred fifty billion, but it's three hundred billion is not bad. It's mo- you know, it's most of the way there. Um, and then it, again, you know, Democrats originally wanted six hundred dollars a week in unemployment benefits. The White House is offering four hundred dollars through January, um, and four hundred dollars is not six hundred dollars, but it's definitely enough to replace the income that a lot of these restaurant and Disney workers have lost when they were laid off. Right? I mean, you know, because so many people who are unemployed right now were people in these service industries, four hundred. 400 covers a lot of their needs. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's not a perfect deal. It's not exactly what the Democrats are asking for, but it, it, it does tick off a lot of the boxes. Is there someone you've spoken to in the last like six, eight months that you think about whenever you think about this package being stuck? Like you're just like, but that guy, that guy is waiting uh, no, because a lot of the people I've I've spoken to in the last six to eight months have already like seen their businesses fail, right? Like, like that's one of the really I've I've spent a lot of time talking to small business owners for various stories, and uh, a lot of them have already closed up shop. Um, and that you know they they sort of reached out to me because they were already on the verge. Um, you know, I wrote like a, a piece about a music venue in D.C., U Street Music Hall, that was basically banking on some sort of relief. Um, or they thought they were going to close at the end of this month, and they already closed. Uh, they already gave in. They're 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 permanently shutting down. Um, you know this guy Rocco, and uh, I wrote a you know, this Dairy Queen owner in uh, a mall in California. I wrote about it at the very beginning of this. He's he's trying to sell his business. He's basically given up. Um, he doesn't think he's going to recover from it. I mean, they're just you know I've talked to gym owners in Texas or like children's gym owners in Texas who have been evicted and things like that. It's there's already just a lot of pain 
Um, and, you know, if you read about what's going on with, you know, people who haven't been able to get unemployment benefits or, or seen their benefits run out, you know, it, you know it, families end up in really dire straits. And it, it doesn't it doesn't take a real a lot of sophisticated analysis to uh, figure out that the longer we go without any more help, the more people are going to suffer. I mean, that just seems obvious. Jordan Weissman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Jordan Weissman is Slate's senior business and economic correspondent. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Mary Wilson, Elena Schwartz, and Danielle Hewitt. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. You can find me, when I'm not in a closet recording this show, on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. And I'll catch you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.